What's up, everybody? It is episode two of Tooch Talks. I am Tooch, and I will be talking. Sorry for the delay here. I had recorded episode two with a rocket scientist like I had teased in the outro of episode one. So go back and listen to that if you didn't hear it. But unfortunately, our first interview got us into a little bit of a gray zone where we started talking about things that can't be broadcast out to the public. So we're going to redo that interview just in case the powers that be had a vested interest to come to our doors with guns. Nobody wants that. So we're just going to keep it clean talk about a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff without going into as much detail, but really getting a somebody who's in there doing it live and their perspective on some of the history and, and what's going on now in terms of sp- space exploration and things related to that. Been a bit of a roller coaster two weeks. For me, I just never know what's going to happen here in L.A. It's the gig economy. I don't have a real real job. I go teach on Wednesdays, every Wednesday, and that's solid. I have a church gig every Sunday morning. That's solid. But other than that, I'm usually just kind of building stuff around it week to week. Could be social media. Could be website development. There's a few other drum things I have that are a little consistent, but, you know, it's not more than... A couple times a week, a few hours of practice and, and gigs that are all paid. So a lot of times I'm just piecing together work to make the bills happen. Got to keep the lights on. Got to keep the food cold. And one of the jobs I picked up was doing some interior design work up at Taylor Swift's house in Beverly Hills. That was quite an experience. Uh house is gorgeous, as you can imagine. $40 million or so, I think, was the, the total. Don't quote me on that. It felt like MTV Cribs, but in real life. Because I got to be there as they're really building it. Not, not the actual foundation, but a lot of the different pieces. We were doing all of the interior design. So all the furniture, all the paintings, all the wallpaper, all of the... The whole look of the inside of the house. Wow, there's all these different other teams. There's a painting team working on the exterior. There's a painting team working on the interior of some other parts. There's carpenters doing woodworking in the kitchen. The amount of people that are on a job like that is just unbelievable. It must have employed, I don't know, 100 some people at least. It was very common for there to be like 100 people on premises just to put in the plants and make the different TVs and all the rooms work, yada, yada, yada. It's unlike anything I'd ever seen in my life. It is, yeah, it felt like MTV Cribs, real life edition. And while I was there, she actually ended up swinging by because we were close to finishing. So we actually got to meet Taylor Swift, which is weird. It's you know it's always weird when someone who's that prominent in the public eye 
suddenly just gets sucked down to it's just another person, right? When you're in the room with them, there's all the exterior stuff goes away, the pop star, the all that. I mean, it's always present in the undercurrent, but at the end of the day, you're just seeing one one person in a room. They're still wearing clothes. They're still, you know, talking about boy problems. They're still having some of the issues that everybody has. It's it's we're all human beings at the end of the day. We're all going to deal with negative emotions and the tragedy of just being, you know, things die. Your pets are going to die. Everybody you love's going to die. You're going to die. Yeah, that shit can be a little tough to swallow some days. And everybody's going through that, too. Not that she's spilling her heart out, but I had a f- couple funny interactions with her. There was uh, a time we were working in the kitchen. I was putting her crock pot and her uh, Vitamix and all of her other kitchen appliances basically into her butler's pantry. And I overhear her talking about boy problems on on the phone at first. I was kind of just eavesdropping, not being weird, but just thinking, wow, this is this is goofy. This is going to be a song of hers pretty soon, I imagine. And then she starts talking to my two bosses about her boy problems, and I kind of sneak my way out, make an excuse that I got to get more paper towels because I'd started cleaning a cabinet. And she's talking about some guy. I can't even go, I don't want to go into the story, but basically we were making eye contact and laughing and it was all good. And I could tell like, oh, this is, I'm cool to be here. This is, this is fine. I'm a part of this conversation right now. No big deal. Then the, one of the bosses asks, wait, who are, who are you talking about right now? And she immediately just kind of goes, oh yeah, I'll tell you later. Which just you know, brought me right back down to, oh, wait, yeah, I have no part in this conversation. I could be some guy working for the National Enquirer looking to get the latest scoop. And when you're at that level, you unfortunately have to be weary about stuff like that. You know, all the swirling outside stuff I just talked about, the, the pop star stuff, the celebrity stuff came just crashing in through the door, and it wasn't just we're having a, a funny conversation about you know, ex-boyfriend, it becomes this whole other world of, oh, this is a guy that the public knows, probably, and this turns into a story that could be embarrassing for him, and millions of people see it. It's a very strange line to be walking at that level. And to be honest, I don't really have any interest in ever doing something like that. It seemed really, really tough. She had a whole bunch of security security squad her personal assistant was rolling with her pretty much all the time it just to kind of not have the ability to move freely and without worry I, I, I have a hard time putting a price tag on that I guess that at a certain point it's it's the price that you unfortunately pay because you're reaching so many people, and there's a lot of crazy people when there's seven and a half billion people in the world. And when you're known to a lot of them, or anybody who really has the internet at least, you're going to get some crazy people that stand out. And it makes it 
kind of obviously more dangerous for you to live and exist because somebody wants to break into your house because they love your music that much or they think that you love them because you understood their their feelings and were able to put it into a song but it's just not the case you don't have a personal relationship with these people they're just they are just people but there there has to be that wall there I had another silly interaction with her. There were some records on the ground, two piles, in their living room. And I went over and kind of investigated, checking them out. One of the piles is the Rolling Stones and Tom Petty and a bunch of other dope shit. And the second pile is Lou Harris, who I'm not familiar with, is on top. And then there's like four Pat Benatar records, some other kind of random stuff. Didn't look too much to the second pile. But I just go over to her and I say, is there a better place that you'd like your records besides on the floor? And she's like, well, I'm just having a problem because I really only want half the records, but I feel really bad. You know, I'm not going to throw records away. It's like, oh, that's no problem. I'll happily put them in my car and take them away for you. You'll never have to think about them again. She's like, oh, yeah, great. Let me show you which pile. So we start walking over to the two piles. We're almost there, and I'm like, well, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I know which pile you'd want to keep, but I figured I'd just ask, and we'll make sure here. Starts laughing and get to the piles. I point to the Rolling Stones and Tom Petty one. I say, you don't want that pile, right? That that one's for me? I get to keep it? And she has this shocked look on her face. She doesn't really know what to say. Like, she doesn't want to disappoint me, just for a second. But uh, then I just go, ah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She starts laughing. She's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I could just be a really big Lou Harris fan. I was like, well, apparently just not this one. Not this one. She's laughing. And I end up taking that other pile home. I go through it some more. And turns out there's another kind of like a B-side Rolling Stones in it. And there's also a Taylor Swift album. Apparently she didn't want her own album, but... She ended up giving me uh, a cop. Taylor Swift ended up giving me a copy of Taylor Swift's album. That's not something I thought that I would say two weeks ago. So, gig economy, live on. Also, one of the days that I was going up to work up at Taylor's house, we're on a first name basis, it's fine, um, was. Uh, a little bit unfortunate, I got in my first ever car accident. Totally my fault. I ended up rear-ending some lady. Luckily, there wasn't a ton of damage, but her, I'm to her car or my car, my car's been working totally fine. The hood's a little pushed back, and I lost my AC unit. But, you know, what are you going to do? And you rear-end somebody, that's that's what happens. It's obviously totally my fault. I rear-ended her. But that's not even the worst part, you know? Uh, I'm driving. Google Maps is telling me, all right, stay on this road for like three and a half, four miles. So I know that I'm good. And I left early in the morning. So I'd have plenty of time to get there. I could have taken 20 wrong turns. And I still would have been to work early. 
So we're going along. Google Maps is fine. Still on the road. Still keep going for through another three miles. No big deal. Then it starts telling me, all right, turn left here. Turn right here. It Then rerouting me and doing all this stuff. And I just keep getting increasingly frustrated with it because it just keeps barking at me. And then it just gets to actually freezing. And I, I'm going from just casually kind of laughing it off the fact that it's rerouting but it keeps doing it for like two minutes in a row and by the end i'm in this just childish rage where i'm trying to literally rip my phone in half and it was that anger that led me to speed up a little too fast and not have enough time to break and rear end some lady if that's not a sign that you know i need to meditate a little more i don't know what it is that I have just never felt more childish than in that moment of just literally screaming at an inanimate object and then going into <laughs> negatively affecting some poor lady's day. She was so nice about it, which made it even worse, honestly. I felt so bad. I get out of the car and I'm just apologizing to her, apologizing. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She's She's so cool about it. She's like... Well, I'm just so glad, you know, usually I have my daughter in the car and she's not with me right now. And I'm just, I'm so glad I, everybody's okay. We're okay. No big deal. And I'm just keep going. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh my God, it's my first accident. I'm so sorry. And then we look in the front seat of her car and she's on her way to a bridal shower. And she has the cake for the bridal shower and the cake is all smushed up and just, I, I think I knocked it off the front seat and basically toppled it. So the whole plastic siding is just covered in frosting and it's so obvious the cake is ruined. I just if keep feeling even worse about that. I just keep apologizing for that. And she's just so cool about it. Just, oh no, it's okay. I'm just glad everyone's all right. And you know, luckily, like I said, not a lot of damage to my car. Not a lot of damage to her car. That's why we have car insurance. But it's just a little bit of a wrench in in life when you know, stuff like that happens. You never expect to have an accident. I have a rather spotless driving record. No tickets. I did get pulled over once in San Francisco right before I moved down here. But I was very polite and nice to the cop. And by the end of that exchange, he told me that as long as I submitted a written request as opposed to an electronic one, apparently they can lose the written ones and I would never have a ticket on my record. So thank you, officer, who did that for me. I forget your name, but I shook your hand and wish you well as you wished me well. Still kind of felt like a ridiculous waste of time and taxpayer dollars to be pulled over, have everything run, only to essentially say, here's a loophole on how you can get out of this ticket. But that's one of the benefits of being polite and courteous to police officers. So, I'd suggest trying that. I have <laughs> done the other way a few times, too. And in college, it didn't work out as well. Documentary fans, I can't recommend enough. Jim and Andy just premiered on Netflix. 
Netflix original. It shows behind-the-scenes footage of Jim Carrey in his role as Andy Kaufman on Man in the Moon. It's character acting to the fullest. I mean, he's in it all the way, on set, off set. He's really embodying the character, the person that was Andy Kaufman. And it's fascinating to see an artist so deeply committed to a role like that. As drummers, I don't necessarily think there's any kind of relation or as a drummer I don't I don't see a connection or an equivalence in anything that I can do drumming wise that would come out or be like that you know and I guess if you're if you want to get real technical maybe playing cover music to the umph degree where you're really trying to embody a character, but that's not really something that ever interests me at all. You know, there's the Fab Four. Do the They do the Beatles today, and that's cool, and I'm sure they make a lot more money than I do right now, working in Vegas and doing their thing. I don't hate on cover bands. I just am not really that interested in playing other music like that the pay can be great i've certainly done my fair share of it i'm sure i'll do more of it before my time out is out here but it's not as musically rewarding as getting to write your own parts and building something new that's never been heard you're always kind of reaching for the original and never quite capturing it there's very few covers that actually outshine the original or, or better than and make a bigger name for themselves. Those are few and far between. And when well, it can be done, and it's very powerful, and it's kind of a quick little hack to get into people's brains with your particular voice or genre or brand or whatever you want to say, because you already have an audience of people that like that song. So I definitely understand it. I definitely I definitely even respect it. But I just know that that's ultimately not what I want to do. So I spend as little time doing cover band stuff as I possibly can. Somehow got to that off Jim and Andy. But anyways, check that documentary out. Really, really good. Also, I was watching Beware of Mr. Baker today. Another documentary. It's on YouTube for free, the best. But it chronicles Ginger Baker and kind of the history of rock drumming in a certain sense. I didn't realize how much of an influence he really had on drummers of the time. You know, he he ended up doing drum-offs with Max Roach and Art Blakey and a bunch of these jazz cats and really holding his own. He always considered himself a jazz drummer. He'd even yell at you if he suggested that he was a rock drummer. But going back and tracing musical history, it's pretty clear that he was one of, if not the, 
innovators in the style of rock drumming. Certainly jazz based, but his work with Cream and he was also in Blind Faith with Clapton. Going back and listening to those records and seeing how big of an impact that had on so many other drummers. It's really interesting. They bring in all sorts of famous rock drummers to talk about how Ginger influenced them. So there's Chad Smith and Nick Mason of Pink Floyd. There's Bill Ward of Black Sabbath, Carmen Napais, a bunch of a bunch of drumming greats. And they're all saying, yeah, Ginger's the guy, Ginger's the guy. That was maybe like the most touching moment of the film, really. The whole setup of Ginger Baker's character is really this drug-fueled maniac who's he's almost like an alien back there with his red hair and his eyes that look buggy out of his head, and he's either smiling or manic-looking. But they, they catch a really tender moment in his later years where he's recounting journeying from looking up to great jazz drummers like Max Roach and Art Blakey and just idolizing them and worshiping their playing going from that to actually being friends with those cats yeah, you know that's that's the dream and to see him have lived it and also be so appreciative of that moment. He was, he was literally crying, wiping away tears, and talking about how nobody can take that away, and that's the best feeling. And that's from a guy who's done a lot of a lot of hard drugs. So if he's saying that's the best feeling, I tend to believe those kind of guys. There's another interview I saw with John Frusciante of the Red Hot Chili Peppers where... You know, he obviously went through his drug phase of heroin and, you know, God knows what else. And looking back on it, now he's into meditation and doing breathing exercises and stuff like that. And he's saying there's no feeling that you can get from those drugs that you can't get just through meditation and working your own mind. I'm not sure how much I believe that really chemically I I've never gotten a mushroom or peyote type trip off of breathing before but I think it's a good sentiment and if that's what it takes to keep him off heroin or lots of people off heroin then or maybe he's right I don't know maybe he's just far more in it than I am I hope so because the mind is a powerful thing and it's fun to discover all the different pathways and crevices that you got in your own mind, your own dark alleyways, and also the, the sunshiny parks. It's all in there. We're all people. But, so, yeah, Ginger Baker. Beware of Mr. Baker. Check that out for you on YouTube. That's a good movie, especially for drummers. But even just fans of rock music and the history of music kind of in general, it has a very broad range of interviewees, like Clapton too. It's not just drummers. Eric Clapton recounts his time. And a lot of the other 
musicians that Ginger Baker was playing with at the time come out and have a lot of really nice things to say. So I'll definitely be diving more into his drumming and trying to appreciate it more than I had in the past. I've always been a Cream fan, but Ginger's always kind of fallen into the category of drummer that's just a little too little too busy maybe for me, but it's possible that it's just my dumb brain not interpreting the rhythms in a way that works perfectly with the music. That's very likely as well. So time to go back to school and you know, learn from some of the masters here. That's what it's about. Well, I want this to be a half hour, and I'm not quite at a half hour yet looking at the clock, so let's rack the old brain. Think about what else has been going on. Oh, yeah. I didn't talk about this. I did some... <laughs> another random, hey, LA gig economy. Us millennials having to get after it. Pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Um, I got a random text from somebody on uh, like a Friday... Or no, excuse me, like a Sunday night asking me if I could work that next morning on a feature film. And, you know, I, I need the money, so I'm just like, yeah, sure, I'm free, what's going on? What, what am I doing for it? And she's like, oh, you're going to be set dressing. Set dressing is essentially setting all the props and furniture and paintings, portraits, everything that you see. It's actually really similar to interior design. And now that I had a week of interior design work at Taylor Swift's house on my resume and that's it I have literally no other experience apparently I'm qualified to work on a feature film with Fred Armisen and Patton Oswald. so yeah I showed up and a lot of it was just moving couches and the people live there I mean we're shooting in somebody's house so you walk in and they're still there. The lady's working on her computer on her dining room table. And we're flipping the couches and taking all of her family photos off the wall. And moving her wine rack into her kid's room. And really just totally resetting everything. So that the, a lot of it is just dumb muscle work where I'm picking up couches or I'm moving paintings, but I actually got to do some quote-unquote creative art department style stuff where they actually left me in charge of hanging and arranging a lot of the photos and portraits that go up on the wall, and I actually hammered the nails, put them in the wall, decided how the collage was going to look, and tried to make it look pretty, so... You'll be able to see some of my work as a set dresser in a feature film. I'm not sure when it's coming out, and I don't know if I can say the name yet, so I won't. But I guess keep an eye out for that. That's apparently something I'm now qualified to do on a professional level. Los Angeles is weird. <laughs> what other job can I have sort of a week of experience in? You know, up at Taylor's house, I was not doing any interior design, really. I was really just being dumb muscle. They had a carpenter in there with a laser level 
and he was doing most of the actual setting of portraits. I I worked with a drill a little bit when I was actually drilling Taylor's bed together, uh, and I did a little bit of hammering, but I wasn't making any artistic decisions. That was all up to the bosses. On this feature film, I got a hammer in my hands, I got nails in my mouth, and i am got one eye closed trying to see if this one photo frame with an old piece of rice cloth from ancient China that's framed is matching up properly with, you know, some old rock fo- poster from the 70s that's extremely vibrant in neon colors. And I'm, prof- I'm a professional, so you have to take me seriously because I take myself seriously when I'm doing this kind of stuff. I take a lot of pride in my work as a set dresser and interior designer, and I now have a week and a half of experience when you combine the two, so I think I know what I'm doing. Yeah, there's. I'm happy to take the work while I need it until Drummond starts paying more of the bills or whatever it's going to be. I also write TV shows. I got a few scripts trying to circulate, and it's pilot season starting in January, so put it out there. Some, sell me something here. But until I have a more consistent stream of income, these are little weird jobs that I guess are going to keep popping up, and well. Gives me interesting stuff to talk about, at least, right? Got some, got some stories. Stories are good. Stories make the world go round. Stories help us understand our plight. Our plight as human beings in this world, living in what's known as the human condition. <laughs> Uh, I I can't, I don't even know what was going on the last 10 minutes of this podcast, but I got up to 30 minutes, so deal with it. I will be interviewing, like I said, a rocket scientist. I think that'll be, hopefully, I'm looking to interview him like Monday, Tuesday, put it out Wednesday. So keep an eye out for that. As always, happy to take questions. AMA stuff, anything you might think of drum-related or whatever. If you're just curious, you have more questions about the stories I told or some other stories in the future, I think probably episode four, I want to maybe make it a running series or just do one kind of long one, but I want to start recounting a lot of the different characters I've met in the different bands that I've played with over the last three years here. Uh, I've done a lot of weird one-off gigs or auditions that I didn't even get. A lot of auditions that I didn't even get. Most, even. I'd say most auditions I didn't get. Yeah, it's like 80% probably. It's most. At least in L.A. There's a lot of competition down here. Not as much in San Francisco, but... I'll have some fun telling you guys about characters like Grasshopper. Uh, 
and some of the other musician type creative free thinking folk that populate this earth but that's for another day thank you for tuning in this is episode 2 of Tooch Talks I will be back soon sooner than last time really going to get in the habit of doing this so stay tuned episode 3 coming soon bye